as we come to your word, we ask for help to explain it, to understand it, and to apply it to our hearts and lives for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we've been looking at some of the verses there, and verse tonight I want to particularly look at is verse 22. Who, that is God, who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. God, who has sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. I think, it was last time I was here, and I told you of my travel plans, um, God willing, this week and next week. And I won't say what they are again, but... um, And I said, well, you might say, why are you telling us what you're going to do? What's it going to do with anything? And I said, well, chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians came about because of the travel arrangements of the Apostle Paul. What I said was that he had um, said to the Corinthians he would pop and see them on the way um, through to Macedonia, and then you'd see them on the way back as well, and there were two visits he hoped to get. Um, but as circumstances changed, and he decided he would go straight to Macedonia and, and perhaps then call in on the way back. And they took offense to that. And they murmured at him, making these, saying these things, and they're not turning up. You know what people are like. You, they say you're going to come for tea, and you, you make a nice tea, and then they don't come. And you think, oh, dear me, it's all wasted. I'll have to eat it all myself, and, and so on. And they took offense to it. Uh, but then there were some people who just wanted to have a, have a, have a go at Paul. And they said, yeah, you're not, you're not a proper apostle. And, and uh, you've got no integrity and no sincerity. And all this came about because he slightly changed um, his travel plans. Um, and I was thinking that just uh, uh, an aside almost. Because that happened, that situation, Right, whereby he changes travel plans, he writes to apologize, explains what happened, and so forth. All, because of all that, we have 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And the blessings that, that has been to the people of God down the ages. If it had gone as planned, we wouldn't have that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God, in his providence, his own agenda and thankfully his agenda is always better than our agenda my ways are not your ways says the Lord neither are my thoughts your thoughts okay but then he says more for my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts I've got the best I've got your best at heart and my glory put it properly, I have my glory in mind and your best. And thankfully, they work together, but we don't always see that. So, um, thank God for his providence, that's what she's saying. 
So let's come to this little verse, and really I just want to take us fairly simply through some of these, these two things, the sealing and the earnest. The earnest, the sealing and the earnest. This is something that God has done to all who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I looked up some of these things, and uh, uh, I can read about what I found helpful to me about the sealing in the Bible days. And it's quite interesting that uh, there's all kinds of reasons people seal things on books and letters. Uh, we write very few letters uh, these days. It's all emails and texts and so on. Uh, but back in the day, uh, particularly if you're a, a royal person or some position and you, you wrote a letter, you probably get your secretary, your scribe to do it, you write, and then you would seal it, you put it together, and you'd seal it with your seal. Uh, you would uh, normally have some wax on it, and you'd press a ring with your signet, like a signature ring, signet ring, and you'd press it, and it was sealed. So whatever that went to the recipient, they would know when the, the letter arrived, the parchment arrived, that this has come from such and such a person. And I guess Her Majesty the Queen, over the years, has put her seal on lots and lots of things. All right? Um, uh, but she actually has a, spe a special little ring or whatever it is. I don't know. I've never had one as yet. Um, but uh, these things are sealed. It's a proof of authority. Uh, it authenticates from whence it's come. It could be a, a something very important. It could be a deed, a covenant, an agreement. Very interesting you read the uh, the references to seals and seal in the in the in the Bible uh, I mentioned a few just for interest because I thought well isn't that interesting it's quite convenient the first reference to seal in all right um, this is in English now I keep saying that because the Hebrew is uh, different but the first seal was very nasty test you, but you will know the story. The first seal as recorded is in 1 Kings 21. Now don't turn to it uh, unless you particularly want to, but you'll know the story and it's the story of King Ahab and Jezebel. King Ahab was a bad lot, you know that. Right? He's a nasty, wicked, evil king of Israel. Jezebel was his nasty, wicked, evil queen well met for one another, well matched. And uh, this king Ahab, he had his palace and had all that he wanted, um, but what he longed for was an allotment. Right? He longed for an allotment. Now, I've got an allotment. A little friend in Hailsham has got an allotment, and he loves his allotment. I haven't got an allotment, but I don't worry. I'm fine. I'm a nice little garden. This king wanted an allotment. And there was an allotment right next door. And uh, I thought, well, this is good. This man has got a little allotment there. And he's next door to me. I'll, uh, I'll buy it off him. And I'll give him lots of money. And he'll give me his allotment. And I'll, if he says he still wants an allotment, I'll buy him another place somewhere else. He can have an allotment twice the size. I'm going to pretend, God willing, my brother-in-law, 
allotment community. There is an allotment in the corner of two major roads. It's a very small thing, you wouldn't notice it was there, but it, it's in very, it was in a very strategic place. The big boys come down from London, as does, and they say, uh, we want that little bit of our, that land because we're going to build a big new supermarket and that'll be just handy for parking. So uh, we'll give you a little bit of money for the allotment. Local lad said, push off. I'm not having an allotment. I think they were so surprised. Oh, well, well, we will give you some new money. We'll give you £10,000 per plot. Push on. They were so amazed. These little local Welsh boys, they were so keen on keeping their allotment. And of course, because they're desperate about it, trying to get up and up and up, these Welsh boys know what they're about. Up and up and up. And they said, okay, we'll sell it to you for whatever it was. But also, you've got to buy us another plot. There's a plot down there. Yeah, but that plot's not very good. So we want you to put fertilizer. We want you to dig it up and do it. And they had the best new plot in the Wicklow Market. All over an allotment. Now, that's not the case here in the sense of Naboth doesn't want the money. Naboth knows that he has his allotment because it's been given to him by the covenant God Jehovah. You have to see that in the Old Testament. Land is precious because God decreed that when they went into the promised land, they would all have their little patches, their little allotments, if you like. So this has been passed down to Naboth from generation to generation, and now he's inherited from his father, his grandfather, and so on. This is his. And the king says, I want it. Well, he can't have it. I'll give you lots of money. I don't want your money. I'll give you another one. I don't want another one. Ah, this is mine, and I want to keep it mine. And you again, you know the story, he goes home and sulks. He sulks. And God delivers him to do something. So he goes home and sulks. His wife comes in. Hi. I'm paraphrasing. Hi, hubby. How are you? What was your day been? Rubbish. What's my way? Sad. Well, I want this little allotment, and you won't sell it to me. Oh, poor old. You can, you can see it, you can see it, can't you? And she says, he was a king. If you want the allotment, you have it. Well, I can't do it. So, she connives a plot. She connives a plot against Naboth to say that people have heard him blaspheming God, and, and the penalty is death. And she gets people to sign it, and false witnesses, and we're told this. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. She got all of his signet ring or whatever it was, and she sealed it with his seal and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles all over the city. And the nobles were there. And you have these letters from the king. He accuses this man of bringing forth false witnesses and poor Naboth is put to death. And so the king has his Elijah, Elijah went and spoke to him. Hast thou killed and taken possession? Thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in the place where dogs licked the blood of 
Naboth shall dogs lick your blood, even yours. And they went on. And his wife suffered the same, as you know. Now, that's so sad. But so seals were important. It appeared to come from the king, and it was the king's word. Then there's another, another little one then in Nehemiah. Because of all this, says Nehemiah, we made a sure covenant, write it on our princes and Levites, and seal it. It's to reaffirm this land is ours, and we're going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem for the people of God. And those kind of things. You remember Esther. There are problems in Esther. And they're going to, uh, they're going to destroy the Jews. Esther says, you can't. Spare my people. And a new decree is made that the Jews might defend themselves. And the king sealed it. So are these seals and these contracts, they authenticate it, it's important, because there's a seal, a seal of the king or the emperor, whoever is in charge, it's a seal. It is so important. This is what has been determined. This is what has been decreed, and it's signed with a seal. Now, not everything to do with a seal is a document and serious stuff. Some very tender things which I've just mentioned in passing in the Song of Solomon. Let me read it to you. Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The gold coals thereof are coals of fire, which have a most vehement flame. And the woman is saying to her beloved, Such is your love for like a seal of my heart. It can never be removed. It can never be broken. It's sealed for time and eternity. Lovely little thought. Well, one thing just to finish on that seal is the fact that in Daniel, we talked about the this, these writings of Daniel, they have to be sealed. Seal up the vision and prophecy. Right? Seal it. And then, towards the end of Daniel, we'll have, we'll read this. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall go to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So God says to Daniel, here are my, these scrolls, here as if you like, the purposes of God, all in, in figuratively speaking, they're all in these scrolls, and it's sealed, and it will be remain unopened till the time. Move on many hundreds of years later, and you come to the New Testament. Just a few little references in the New Testament. There's only four, really, in the Gospels and Romans, Timothy, He that's received this testimony has set his seal to God is true, and is the Lord Jesus Christ. He had the seal of God, as it were, upon him. The foundation of the Lord stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. It's as if God has put his seal. These are mine. They belong to me. 
I chose them. My son will die for them. The Spirit will work in their hearts. They are mine. This is my seal. But what is interesting, going back to Daniel, is that when John is given a vision of heaven, you will remember that there are some books or scrolls, properly. There are scrolls that he would love to see and love to know what's in them. He's got these scrolls, and uh, they obviously they talk about the purposes of God, what God will do. So, let me read it to you, Revelation 5. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. So here's, here's this, these scrolls, and they're sealed, and there's seven seals. So John wants to know what's in them, what do they contain? And most commentators would link that with Daniel. These are the same uh, scrolls that have been given to Daniel, a revelation of what will happen in the last days. And here's John, and he, he longs to see what's inside. He longs to have them read or to read them. And I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? These are so important. This is a revelation of God's purposes. So, who is worthy? And there was no man in heaven or in earth, under the earth, that was able to open the book and to look thereon. There was nobody worthy. Oh, the angels of heaven, there was none worthy. Michael, Gabriel, none worthy. Great men, women, none worthy. And John wept, wept because there was no one worthy. And the whole of uh, the glory, the whole of creation appeared none worthy. One of the elders said, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Hallelujah! There is one that's worthy. And he's worthy by virtue of his accomplishments. He has prevailed. He has prevailed. He has accomplished. He has finished a work. The work his father gave him to do. What was that work? Well, it was an easy work. No, it wasn't. Or was it a very difficult work? Yes, it was. It was the worst work that you could ever think about beyond our thinking, because it involved the second person of the Trinity coming to earth, taking upon him flesh and blood. He humbles himself. He, he becomes as fashioned as a man. He's obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Here he is, the Lord of glory. He sets his glory aside, as it were, not his Godhead, but his glory and the manifestation of that God. And he comes and he lives as a man. He walks around Nazareth and Jerusalem. He's a man. He's a carpenter. He says amazing things. He does amazing things. What manner of man is this? He can even the wind and the sea obey him. He controls nature. He feeds 5,000 folk plus out of five little loaves and two fish. He heals people. He brings them back from the dead. Who is this? Oh, it's God in the come to do a work, but not just healing and delivering and raising. He, his greatest work is to die. You say, what kind of job is that? Awful work. Terrible work. 
in order for God's people to enjoy heaven, in order for God's people to be forgiven of their sins, he has to go on a cross and die and suffer the wrath of God on our behalf. He's the other one that came. There's none like unto him. He can open these seals. He can declare the purposes of God which will culminate in him and through him. What about him? Well, a little bit about the seals says here is this you as he sealed who sealed us he has sealed us this authority uh, that comes from God he declares that we belong to him and there's this, this element of love it's a sealing of the heart from the heart of God it's not just a, a contract Let's be careful don't we talk about the covenant of God and we love that covenant theology we love that but it's not just a contract. Here is a God who loves his people with an everlasting love. And he delights to enter into a contract, a covenant, that they might love him. It's a love relationship. God has sealed us. He's done more. He's given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Earnest in this context is a term for down payment. Right? Sometimes it was a pledge or for a contract. In other words, there's a job to be done. It's going to cost X amount. And the person who's going to do the job will say, Well, listen, I need a down payment from you. Right? You've got to either be the finished amount when I stand. Meanwhile, I need something on account. Down payment. But you'll guarantee that you'll pay me at the end. And there are various things we can do about making a down payment. What is important in this context, the word meant more than, well, you know, I've got a nice watch here. I'll put this watch as a down payment. And when you finish the job, different, see? Down payment is different to the final settlement. In those days, if the final payment was to be in gold, then the down payment had to be in gold. Finally, in silver, down payment in silver. Payment in cash, down payment in cash. It had to be of the same kind. Now, I know I've used this illustration 5,000 times those of you who heard it again and again, well, just bear with me one day or two. There's 97 years never heard it, and I like it anyway. My mother, mother used to make corned beef pies. Right? It's like a big tart. And it was way, and that's why we enjoyed it so much. It was made of corned beef, onion, potato, and probably carrots. The makers loved something from the dinner it was very special and we weren't to have it until it was tea time but because she was 
could see us kids through Rinovic, and she did. She made little ones. You know, like tart little things. Things very small things. And she got a little bit later and then we found even one and then and then she made them just like little tart ones. And she said, If you're good, you can have two of those for dinner. And uh, for lunch you can. Oh You see, it was a full scraps along with something else. It was the same nature of the, the of the, the first fortress was what the main thing would be on the little Now, what's amazing is this. God says, I will give you a down payment, as it were. I will give you the earnest, the foretaste of what is to be. And the foretaste of what is to be is the Holy Spirit himself. God doesn't just give us the blessings, the graces, the gifts of the Spirit. Right? God gives us the Holy Spirit himself. But he is a foretaste of all that will be in absolute fullness in that day. So, and we can expound that in so many ways. So, for example, the, one of the blessings that God gives by his spirit is joy, Christian joy. Now, the nature of Christian joy is that we have it now as a foretaste, but in heaven it'll be the same joy, massively expanded, beyond measure expanded. Because that initial joy given by the spirit is joy in the Lord Jesus. Now, if you got that, that joy is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a small amount now because of our limited capacity. But in that day, our capacity will not be limited. And we have the full joy, but it will still be in the Lord Jesus. And we can apply that to all kinds of... The peace that we have, the, the, there's a peace that God gives to his people by his Spirit. who trust in the Lord Jesus. We trust in him. We rest in him. We are secure in him. Praise God for the peace that he gives. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give I, gave I unto you. He gives us his peace. And it's a foretaste of the peace that will be in that day. It'll be the same peace in the Lord Jesus. Now you're getting the picture. All that we have now by the Spirit is in Jesus. In that day it'll be the same. But in the Lord Jesus, magnified 10,000 times 10,000. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee that there's more to follow. Why do we live such miserable little lives? I think I say to myself, I'm not going at anybody because I really need to challenge my own heart. Why are we living such miserable little lives? When we have all that God has for us here and similar in, in Romans 8. Again, I'll, you know the words well, but I will read them to you. This is what he says in Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself, bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So here's the Spirit witnessing with me, with my spirit, that I belong to God. I'm a Christian. What is a Christian? A Christian is somebody who's got the sins forgiven. A Christian is someone who, who said to the Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe you died for sinners. I, I, I want you to be my Savior. And they've asked him to be their Savior. They've come to him in repentance and faith. They've come to Jesus, and their sins are forgiven. Wonderful. But there's so much more. That's just the beginning. God adopts them into the family. He makes them one of his own. He loves them as he loves his own son. Amazing. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, isn't finished. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. All that God has done in and through Christ, he will do in and through his people. He will glorify his Son. He will glorify his people in his Son. He has exalted his Son. He will exalt his people in his Son. All the blessings of God are in the Lord Jesus, and God wills them to his people, to his children. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer, that we may also be glorified together. And he goes on to say this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What a context. What a context. He mentions almost casually, there is suffering for the people of God. You'd think, having all these things true about us, wow, we'd be walking on air. Walking on air. Oh, it's wonderful. Praise God. Nothing ever happens uh, uh, to me, uh, contrary to me. I, I'm living the dream. Hallelujah. And then suddenly, bang, crash, and I'm brought down to the floor. How can this be happening to me? I'm a child of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm an heir of God. How can this be happening to me? Savior suffered. Are we not also to suffer? If he was persecuted, are we not also to be persecuted? If they said nasty things to him, are they going to say nice things about us? Not all the time. The context is this present suffering, as bad as it gets, and it does get bad, nothing to be compared with the glory of being here in heaven. We speculate about heaven. Personally, I don't think that there will be recollect recollections of bad days. I don't think it will be clear at all. Everything is future, everything is present, future, everything is now. And I don't think we say, oh, remember those bad old days? I don't think we say that. I think we'll just say, isn't it wonderful to be here? Oh, the glory of God. I know I was told about it, but the heart was never told. And the glories of heaven. Suffering will be 
almost insignificant. It's not now. I'm not saying it's now. It's very significant for some of us. It's very significant. It weighs heavily. And then Paul, as it were, puts these things in the balance. The suffering. And the eternal weight of glory. That's why I read um, Ephesians 1, and we'll close with this in a minute. I read Ephesians 1 because there he speaks about um, the inheritance we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Um, and then he talks about in verse 13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. He is, does the seal it. He personally is the seal. Who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and to the praise of the Lord. God will see to it that this particular treasure that Christ has redeemed will be kept secure until we get the glory. God will see to it. God will see to it. We may be a stumble along the way few trips on the, on the road. God will see to it. And all his people will be there. And will enjoy him forever and ever and ever. So, this is true of all believers, but it's only true of all believers. It's not true of the world. It's not true of unconverted people. It's not true of religious people. It's only true of those who trusted in Jesus the Savior, who has sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. And that's not your experience, I pray and plead with you. Seek him, cry to him, give him your rest that he gives you this. Assures you you are his, his, his mind. Father, we thank you for your word. Some things are just beyond us. We confess we use the words and the phrases and Bible words and Bible phrases, but sometimes it's just beyond us. Just beyond us. But Lord, that thrills us. We're happy with that. We'd rather be things beyond us that we can look forward to than ordinary things which we can understand. Because God means so much. This is God. This is God at work gloriously. This is what God is doing and will do. This is the work of God, the Holy Spirit, to seal us and to bring us home to glory. Oh, Lord, may we rejoice in these things. We are having difficult days. Some of us are having hard days, and it's tough. We can't pretend. We put a little smiley face, but it's hard. You are God. By your spirit, you can just keep us going until that day. Oh, how glorious that day will be. Amen. Amen. Amen.
really again a prayer written by Charles Wesley to the Holy Spirit, O thou who camest from above, pure celestial fire to impart, kindle a flame of, sac of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. And then notice the last verse. Ready for all thy perfect will, my acts of faith and love repeat, till death thine endless mercies seal and make the sacrifice complete. Seven, eight, three. singing your praises, hearing your word read and proclaimed. Thank you for the privilege. Oh, Lord, bless your word to our hearts as we leave. 
We leave this place and go out the world that is dark and dismal and depressing. Grant us to live above it and beyond it because of who we are and what we are in Christ. Bless your people. Bless us that they might be indeed known as the people of God. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and remain upon God's people here and everywhere until he shall come, then forevermore.